ask or poll uh, non-believers about uh, why they don't believe in Christianity or maybe objections they have to the Christian faith uh, or maybe just reasons that they've been turned off of Christianity. If you were to ask them to give you a list of, you know, five to ten reasons, almost always one of the things that will come up in that list is hypocrisy among Christians. Uh, Christians often act like hypocrites. uh, Therefore, why would I want to join uh, the church. And, and it's a big deal. It's a big deal to a lot of people on the outside looking in. Uh, and as you'll see in the passage we're about to read, it's a big deal to Jesus. Uh, J- Jesus, th- th- we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus throughout the Sermon on the Mount is talking about what it looks like to live in his kingdom, what it looks like to center our life around him And one of the themes he gets at over and over, passage after passage, is the issue of the heart. To know Jesus and to be known by Jesus and to follow him is to be someone who cares more about our heart than our actions. More about the source of our actions than merely what people see. And one of the huge dangers to that, Jesus says, one of the huge hurdles to living a life like that is hypocrisy. And so tonight we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at, uh, first, uh, what it is and why it's dangerous. And then, uh, second, we're going to look at what it looks like to deal with our hypocrisy. How's our hypocrisy healed? So uh, I'm going to read the passage for us from Matthew 6, um, and I'll pray for us. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, as we look uh, at this topic, uh, which is a convicting one, uh, Lord, we pray tonight, Uh, Lord, that you would give us the courage uh, to uh, examine our own hearts, uh, to receive your word, uh, Lord, and to run to you uh, for help. And so, God, regardless of of where we're coming from tonight, Lord, whether we walked in feeling like a hypocrite uh, or feeling really confident or sad, God, would you meet us with your word and spirit tonight? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Our kids don't know this yet, but on uh, Monday, we're surprising them with a birthday trip to uh, Great Wolf Lodge, which, if you've never been, is an indoor water park in Cincinnati. 
And uh, I don't know what your uh, view of water parks is or was, but as a child growing up, going on vacation, there was really only one thing I looked forward to, and that was the Big Kahuna Water Park in Destin, Florida, every single year. Uh, the beach, I could take it or leave it. We were in the Gulf. There wasn't many big waves to begin with, but Big Kahuna was like a non-negotiable. That had to happen because it was like, it was the highlight. I thought that place was magical. Uh, as I got older, I um, began to see water parks were fun, but also like, you know, a great place to rub shoulders with lots of people and swim in waters with lots of other people and maybe get sick. And it became less appealing. Still went, you know, had younger nieces and nephews, younger sibling, and so we went. But uh, as I grew older, liked it, but it was no longer a non-negotiable. I could go to the beach and enjoy myself and not go to the water park. Um, but as a child, that was, that, like, I could not imagine that happening. It had to happen. Uh, I say that to say because... It, 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 we make, a, we tend, if you read scripture, and if, and if you just examine your own life, uh, we tend to make a big deal about outward appearances, uh, about how we look to other people, uh, how people perceive our actions and what we do and what we tweet and what we post. We tend to place a high emphasis on that. And, and Jesus, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is concerned with our actions. He's concerned with how we come across. Uh, but as we mentioned earlier, he's much more concerned with the heart. He's concerned with our actions, but if you read Scripture, read 1 Samuel 16, God looks at the heart. Man so often is consumed with outward appearances. And, and so in this, uh, when we do that, Jesus says, we are on the fast track to hypocrisy. And he kind of gives us three examples in this passage of how that plays out. Um, and, and so what he does is he takes three Christian disciplines. And, and notice in this passage, he assumes these are things, that these are practices done by those who follow him. He doesn't say, like, if you pray or if you give to the needy or if you fast, but when. So, so he's, he's giving examples of three good things uh, that he's commanded that Christians throughout history have done uh, but gives examples of how hypocrisy can slip in. Okay, so the first one is, is giving to the needy. Uh, if you look at the first few verses, uh, Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And then the first example he gives of how we can do that, of practicing righteousness in a way that can be seen by others, is in our giving to the needy. Uh, by virtue of being in the kingdom of God, by virtue of acknowledging that Jesus is king, one of the things we acknowledge as Christians is that we are poor in spirit. It's what Jesus opened up the Beatitudes with. And so throughout history, Christians have always identified with the poor because we see in their material poverty a picture of our spiritual poverty. And, and, and that's why throughout Scripture, we're always commanded to care for the poor. We're always commanded to care for the widows. And here, Jesus is saying, you know, when you give to the poor, uh, there will be an opportunity for hypocrisy to slip in. Because so easily we can take something that's good, that, that we should do, and, and maybe that we even want to do, and all of a sudden we can start doing it so that we are noticed by other people. 
And, and what happens is you actually begin to care. You begin to care more about people seeing your giving to the poor than you actually care about the poor. And he kind of gives the same talk about prayer. Uh, we'll talk more about prayer in the coming weeks. Uh, but the nature, right before Jesus talks about the kingdom, which is, which is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. One of the beautiful things, one of the revolutionary things of the Christian life is that we get to call God our Father. Jesus says the kingdom of God is not like some otherworldly thing that you don't have access to. It's at hand. We have access to it now through Jesus. And not just access, but a relationship. And the nature of a relationship is communicating. And the way we communicate with God is through prayer. And so Christians are to be those who pray to their Father. And yet Jesus even says here, we can take something as beautiful and awesome as prayer and even use that for our own glory. Notice what he says in verse Let's look at verse 5, we can do it to be noticed. Verse 7, we can do it so that people will compliment us for how eloquent we are. Um, fasting. In, in verses 16 to 18, he addresses fasting. Fasting is something Christians have historically done. Jesus himself did it in the, in the, in the wilderness. Uh, if you read the book of Acts, the early church did this. It's an act that was meant to take a time during the day where you didn't eat to be reminded of a few things, to be reminded that God is the giver of all good things, uh, to be reminded of, of, of your own, not just physical hunger and thirst, uh, but what the Bible refers to often as our own spiritual hunger, uh, and, and to be reminded that, that God is ultimately our source and our comfort and the bread of life and the living water. And so the danger of hypocrisy is that what it does is it actually removes the meaning from all of these things. If you think about prayer and fasting and giving to the needy, all of them, the purpose of all of those things are to draw us into closer relationship to God. And in giving to the poor, we're reflecting God's character to the world. But what hypocrisy does is it actually strips those things of that meaning and actually turns them all on ourselves. We use these things to actually prop ourselves up, to make ourselves look good. And here's the thing, it can happen so subtly. You think about praying. Maybe you enjoy praying, and one time you pray in a group, and someone says, wow, that was such a good prayer. And it's like, man, who doesn't like a compliment? Like, oh, thanks. Yeah, I guess I am pretty good at this. And then you find yourself, the next time you pray, you think, okay, I want, I want that again. Um, or, or, or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you've never gotten that, and, and so you're constantly thinking through, how can I pray in such a way that, that this will come across impressive? And, and, and what are we doing? We're making the prayer not, not about communicating to God, but how we are perceived uh, same thing can happen in our giving to the poor. Someone can notice, hey, man, that was so awesome what you did. Oh, man, okay, I'm going to make, yeah, I like that feeling. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop that line in another conversation with this person because I know they'll be impressed uh, or I know they'll like me more or think more of me if they know that I give to the poor. Uh, 
fasting. Oh man, that's hard. You know what? If I do that, I'm going to make sure other people know because that's like hard and I did that and like not many people do that and you know, maybe like real Christians back in the day did it but not many people do it today and so like if I do that, people will know that I'm, a, I'm like a really serious Christian um, and so I'd, I'd like to drop that in the conversation as well. And what's interesting about this is that Jesus says we don't only perform for others. Uh, if you look at the first few verses, look, look at verse three. He says, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What Jesus is saying there's actually another one of the dangers that can slip in is not just that we want to impress others, but that we ourselves can actually dwell on what we do. Um, and this leads so easily to self-righteousness. So it's not just that we can act for others what Jesus here is saying is that you can actually give, you can actually give to the needy and do it in secret and still become puffed up and proud of yourself and look down on the other people who are not giving. Our sin is so twisted, it's so sneaky, and, and, and it's what leads us to self-righteousness. And, and so all of this, what I hope all of this paints a picture of hypocrisy as is it, it's acting. The word hypocrite actually comes from the Greek word for actor. Uh, and, and to be a hypocrite is to act. It, it, it's, it's to, you're almost playing make-believe with these acts, such as prayer um, and fasting and giving. You're, you're pretending. I'm, I'm pretending to do these for God. I'm pretending to do these for the poor. But really, I'm just doing it for me. It's an act and the world is the audience from whom you seek applause. And what Jesus says over and over in these passages is when you get that applause, that will be your reward. Uh, notice he says this twice. He says, um, you must not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues that they may be seen by others. Verse five, truly I say to you, they've received their reward. Verse 16, they want their fasting to be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. What Jesus is saying is, when you do it for those reasons, you will receive the reward. Sure, if you want to gain people's attention, you can get that. And that is all you will get, Jesus is saying. They've received it. They've been paid in full. And he's hinting at the fact that that's not going to satisfy. They've received it. They've received it instead of the reward of their father in heaven. And when we only look to the world for applause, we are going to be left wanting. This was illustrated perfectly in the past few days. Uh, if you watch the NBA, uh, the Lakers pulled off. Uh, pretty awesome. I mean, I mean, to win a championship like in a bubble is pretty impressive. They hadn't seen their families in like three months. Uh, they stronged out a win. Uh, LeBron James won his fourth NBA championship. He got his fourth finals MVP. Uh, he did it with his third team. Like, incredible, you know, incredible accomplishment. Uh, and, like, he's routinely in the conversation for greatest of all time. Uh, you may, you know, you, some of you may have opinions on that. Uh, he's always in the conversation. He's always in the top five, top two, top three. Um, He's voted on by the, the players in the NBA, see him as a leader when they were negotiating what to do in light of all the social unrest in the country. They looked to LeBron James to make these decisions. 
uh, in the midst of the bubble, and then they finally advance to the finals, and his team wins. And, and he's the MVP, and it's his fourth title. Hardly any other players have done this. And yet, after the finals ended, he could barely celebrate without going into this line. I want my respect. Right after he won his fourth title, the joy of winning an NBA title in the midst of COVID, his fourth one, his fourth MVP was not enough. What he wants is respect. He wants to be known as the greatest. That's what he wants. He wants the, he wants the Michael Jordan comparisons to stop. He wants to be the best. Even though he's got tons of respect and tons of applause. Like, that uh, icebreaker question earlier, I, I'd pick LeBron James to be with me in a zombie apocalypse. Like, freak of nature athlete. Like, he has tons of respect, and yet it is not enough. He wants to be the greatest. And you know what? If one day he gets that acclaim, it still will never be enough. Just look at the life of the one who is currently called the greatest. You can tell it is not enough to be known as the greatest. And some of you are in this same cycle when it comes to doing things for God. Maybe you find yourself that the only time you ever pray is either if you really, really need something or to be noticed by others. Uh, the only time you ever like give is because maybe you've been obligated to or you want to be seen by others. Or maybe it's other Christian acts. Maybe it's just you want to be noticed by others, and it's so easy to get into this cycle to where all of a sudden you realize most of your life is an orchestrated public relations campaign to promote you. And so there's, two, 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 there's lots of questions we can ask ourselves to diagnose our own hypocrisy. But one is this. When was the last time you prayed just to enjoy being in God's presence? When was the last time you prayed just to give thanks for who God is and what he has done? Uh, another way to kind of litmus test our, our, our own hypocrisy is to ask yourself this question. How do you respond to criticism? How do you respond when people maybe offer a correction to what you're doing or confront you about something? The Scottish pastor named Sinclair Ferguson, he wrote this. He says, we recognize hypocrisy in our own response to praise and, and criticism. He says this, I love it. He says, we might modestly say all the right spiritual things when people praise our service, but inwardly we drink it in like thirsty men and women. We might receive criticism with apparent humility, yet inwardly we seethe with resentment and determine never to forget the hurt we have received. In either case, we forget the only thing that matters, which is what God thinks. We, we can feel good about ourselves, but, but how do we respond to those things? What, what does our prayer life look like? Jesus will say a lot of hard things in the Sermon on the Mount. This has to be the most convicting of them all, because here's the reality. You are a fallen human being I'm a fallen human being. If, if we all followed each other around all day long, you know what we would find? For those who claim to follow Jesus, we would find that we do not measure up. 
and that what the non-Christians and, and people who don't like Christianity or people who have had, who've been hurt by Christianity say is true. There's been ways that you've claimed the name of Jesus, you've claimed to follow Jesus, and yet we do not actually practice what we preach. And, and so what are we to do? What are we to do, those who have abused the name of Jesus, who've used his name rather than loved his name? Firstly, we're going to do what Jesus says in this passage, which is to come to our Heavenly Father in secret. Notice over and over again, in each of these passages, we're to give in secret. We're to pray in secret. We're to fast in secret. We're to come to him. Why? Well, that does two things. One, it actually grows our relationship with God. Uh, but secondly, it, when we do these things in secret, what it does is it breaks the grip of human opinion that, that, that is over our souls. It, going to God in secret not only grows our relationship with him, but it breaks the grip that human opinion has over our souls and over our actions. So we're to go to him in secret, but secondly, we're to know him as father. It is amazing. If, if you look at this passage, look how often the word father shows up. It's about nine times. Let's go ahead and answer the question for you. Uh, it shows up a lot. That's a pretty loud clue that there's something up with this theme in this passage. Jesus is hinting that the number one reason that Pharisees have abused the idea of doing righteous deeds is because they have done them not for their father, but for their boss. One author puts it this way. He says, throughout this section of the sermon, our Lord hints that the real trouble with the heart of the hypocrite is that he does not know God as his heavenly father. He is insecure before God and therefore seeks security in what his fellow men think about him. He is unreal in his activities before men because he has no real relationship with God. We feel insecure with other people because we don't have a relationship with God. And so we're constantly trying to perform for others and even for God. And so he invites us to know him. I mean, think about this. As teenagers, we probably all went through a phase, maybe some of it is, maybe, you know, college semester, this might still be going on. Um, at some stage, all of us maybe tried a new thing. Maybe it was like a new look or a new attitude, or maybe we like introduced some new vocabulary or like a way we speak. Um, and that can work like if you're in like a new friend group or you go out of state to college and people don't know you. But you know who can actually see through all of our performing? It's those that have known us our whole life and those who love us. They're the ones that can actually get us to stop performing. Why? Well, they've known us. They've been around us when we're not performing. Uh, B, and if they truly love us, that they're not going to leave us. And, and so the people that you know that love you the best, you don't need to perform around. You can't perform around. They'll call you out and... You don't need to because you already know they love and they care about you. You will not be able to stop performing before other people until you know 
that you have the smile of your Father in heaven. Then and only then will you be able to actually do good deeds for him. And, and, and here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's, here, here's the beauty of, of why we can do this and why we can come to God as children is because Jesus lived a life of integrity. He lived, he's the only person that lived this life perfectly. You, you think about this, if you look, read Romans 5, 18 and 19, Jesus stood before God and performed perfectly without sin. If you read 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Jesus became poor for you and for me. He prayed. He prayed perfectly for you and for me. John 17. And even Jesus became hungry and thirsty for you and me. And the beauty of the gospel is that if we place our faith in Jesus, we get the perfect record of his performance. And when we trust him and we see the length God went to to win his people, a group of hypocrites, a group of people who do not measure up, a group of people who act one way in front of one group of people and another way in another group of people, when you see that Jesus actually moves towards you in your hypocrisy, then that frees you up to stop performing. When you know the love of the Father, you don't have to pretend that you love these things. You can acknowledge, you know what? It's hard for me to pray. It's hard for me to act this way. Or you know what? I've been saying and I've been doing all these things just so I can look better than other people. When you know God's posture towards you, it actually frees you up to acknowledge your sin and it will move you towards prayer and delight. When you know God's posture towards you that he died for hypocrites, that'll make you want to come before him in prayer and thanksgiving. When you see that he died for spiritually poor people, it'll give you a heart for the poor in this world that you can give to them, not to be shown, not to be noticed, but because you know that God gave up riches to win you back. We can do these things for God when we see that he has done them for us. And so the question is tonight, do you know him? Or are you merely working for him? God is on the move. He wants to know you. He wants to be in a relationship with you not merely employ you as a worker bee. Do you know him? Let's pray. Father, we confess tonight our hypocrisy. Lord, we have not perfectly put into practice uh, what you've commanded us to do. Uh, Lord, you call us uh, to love mercy and justice and humility. Lord, you call us to care for the poor and, and to pray to you and to uh, even give up times of, of meals in order that we might know your provision more and more. And Lord, we confess, uh, Lord, that, that so often we can do these things uh, for the praise of other people rather than for your glory and for other people's good. Lord, there are some in this room maybe that have never known what it is to actually truly enjoy your presence. 
but have always felt a need to perform. Lord, I pray that you would give all of us the courage to come before you and even to admit to a friend uh, the ways uh, of our hypocrisy. Lord, you say in your word, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. Uh, Lord, there is no amount of hypocrisy uh, that someone who comes to Jesus with, you will turn away. And so, Father, I pray tonight that we would come to you and be healed by you. Uh, We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.